You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Big Noon Sports, featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. Here's Lars and Matt. Coaching has been served in the SEC footprint. I think that's pretty cool. And you can actually go 24 of 30 when you include the five years uh, that I played at Georgia. But 19 of the 25 years has been in that footprint. I'm very comfortable in that footprint. I enjoy the SEC footprint. Listening to uh, Commissioner Sankey yesterday talk about all the accolades of this conference. I mean, I love it. I love going to, to see uh, uh, or seeing two baseball programs in the SEC finals. The women's basketball, our conference dominant. All the spring sports that we compete in seem so dominant. I love and embrace SEC athletics. So I want to give a, a, a quick thanks to all our fan bases. I mean, the SEC is just different. And when you think about the fan bases in our conference, they make it what it is. They allow us to recruit to the largest attendance uh, in the country, and uh, it makes our job much easier uh, when you when you're in the best conference there is in the country. So, well, you recognize that voice? You should. He was in Tuscaloosa for over a decade, close to it. Hey, welcome into Big Noon Sports. That's Kirby Smart. I'm Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson and Justin Jones. Appreciate you dialing us in on yet another steamy afternoon in July. It is Tuesday as the car wash continues at Grand Hotel downtown Nashville. Vandy, you just heard from Georgia. Auburn will hit the podium shortly after lunch. And then Mississippi State be our introduction to Zach Arnett. So uh, we'll see all that goes, and we'll play right along with it. We will go live not once but twice to Nashville today. But first of all, greetings, Lars Anderson. Greetings, Matt Coulter. How are you doing today? Life's good, man. Trying to stay inside. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a steam bath out out there right no now. Um, yeah, it, it was interesting uh, hearing Kirby Smart speak this morning. Um, Georgia is trying to do something that has not been done since 1936 uh, when the Minnesota Gophers, the Golden Gophers, won three straight national championships. And, um, you know, Kirby, he talked about the consistency of the coaching staff and the fact that he didn't lose a single coach. Uh, And that is really remarkable. After winning a national title, usually offers come in from all around and i'm sure there were some but uh they just uh his assistants have showed great loyalty and fidelity to kirby and uh, i think it's because they all believe and i certainly do too that they have a great shot at winning three in a row um and you know as of right now they are the first team in uh the college football playoff era to win back-to-back national titles. and um, But it's not the first time that Kirby has tried to win three in a row. Uh, back in the dying days of the BCS, uh, he was Saban's off, uh, sorry, defensive coordinator when Alabama won two titles in a row in 2011 and 2012. And of course he was asked about that at SEC Media Days, didn't take long. Uh, I think the first question that he was asked, the first word out of the reporter's mouth, and the reporter was from Huntsville, 
uh, was Coach Saban, and, <laughs> and that, that sort of set the tone. Uh, and it wasn't about, this is the thing, I hate it when a reporter doesn't, if you are gonna ask the first question, make it important. All right. I remember one year that Nick Saban, the first question that was asked was about his situation at backup offensive tackle. And Saban just rolled his eyes like, are you kidding me? Uh, and, uh, and, and, and Kirby was asked uh, just a real innocuous softball that was tossed to him. And then finally, uh, the big boys got up and uh, Pat Forty, who I really like, uh, you know, he just asked him directly. He's like, hey. You guys had this tragedy at Georgia uh, uh, right after winning the national championship. And since then, you've had four players who have been arrested for speeding. What's going on? And I thought Kirby's answer was really, I don't, it just, it, it didn't ring well with me. He said, well, speeding has been going on here for as long as I can remember. You know, and and he's like, if you look at the numbers of people of guys arrested, it's in line with what has happened in the past, as if that excuses the behavior. <laughs> and uh, and then I think he what he was alluding to is like, well, since we've won two national championships, everybody is just putting a microscope on our program. And they're just highlighting. Well, actually, they're the, putting a radar gun on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well put. Um, and uh, and 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 Kirby said, "Hey, you know, we're we're doing everything we can." They're eighteen and nineteen year olds, and I I sped when I was eighteen and nineteen, and and frankly, I did too. As a matter of fact, you and I were together last night, and I told you a story about speeding, uh, and when I was uh, oh, a yeah. senior in high school, uh, and. Uh, yeah, just making a dumb, dumb mistake. And unfortunately, young people do that. Yeah, in um, a nutshell, Lars got air. Okay. I did. I did. I did. In my dad's fiat with a uh, with a girl who I was trying to impress. But that's a, a story for another day. Um, and, and so he didn't really, he didn't offer a satisfactory answer to me. If, if I was Kirby, I would institute a zero tolerance policy. If you get caught for speeding, you are suspended for whatever, how many games? Three uh, or, you know, two. I, I wouldn't go as far to kick them off the team. Uh, but especially if it's a super speeding ticket where you're going something like over whatever it is in Georgia. 20 plus or something tw- like 20 that. plus. That's what uh, I think that's what it is in Alabama. Okay. Well, if you're if you're given a super speeding ticket, uh, then there needs to be considerable uh, repercussions for that and consequences. And uh, he didn't really dig into specifics of that. He doesn't have to. But uh, overall, you know, I, I thought Kirby uh, he did well. You know, Kirby is a, a really gifted public speaker. And um, and it's like he, he can he can talk without notes with with the best of them. And uh, he did say, you know, the reason why we've been able to retain so many of the assistants and have that continuity. And we know how important continuity is. I mean, Alabama uh, has uh, has been able to overcome that. And they're going to have to overcome that this year with two new coordinators. Um, but if you have the continuity, 
it just makes things go so much smoother. The coaches know each other. They know the rhythms of the day. They know like when to back off of Coach Smart. They know when to go to to Coach Smart. You know, and, and they're they're a close knit group. And and Kirby, uh, you know, he has just opened up his office and he tries to have, let the families in and he tries to create a work environment like any good boss, a work environment that people want to be in rather than dread coming to work. Because when you dread coming to work, you are not gonna perform at your best. I'm sure we've all been in jobs where we absolutely hated going to work. And, and uh, I probably have to go back to when I was a, a dietary aide assistant at a nursing home uh, back when I was in high school. That was the real job I didn't like. Uh, but, and a paper boy, I didn't really like that either. Yeah, that getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah man, that was, that, was, that was rough, that was rough. Uh, but, I'll tell you one uh, thing that uh, was very evident to me, if Brock Bowers ever needed an agent, he has it in Kirby Smart. Uh, he was asked about him, and then he commented, and he also said he is just so professional. Uh, he didn't say that. I'm using that word just in his work ethic is incredible. Uh, he also talked about he challenged the media to get three sentences out of Brock Bowers. Uh, yeah. I've not been around the guy very much, but evidently he's very soft-spoken in, in addition to being uh, – I'm not going overboard. When I say he may be the – he's the best player in the SEC. Oh, uh, absolutely. And he's the best tight end in America. And if I named five players, he'd be on him as just the best player. I mean, just real quick because I just take this car and speed off, okay? Could he win a Heisman? Uh Man, it's 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 just become a quarterback award. Uh, other than uh, Derrick Henry and uh, Mark Ingram, I guess you'd have to go back to Mark Ingram. Uh, it, it, it's so hard, uh, you know. But Devontae Smith won it, uh, and Brock Bowers could put up numbers similar to Smith. I, I really think that if he if he stays healthy. Uh, just because he is so elite, and uh, and yeah, Kirby was joking about how uncomfortable Brock was on the plane coming over this morning from Athens uh, because he just is, is so quiet and introverted. Uh, but and he said, yeah, he just he keeps his head down at practice and just absolutely is a it was one of the hardest workers. And so you combine that whenever your best player is your hardest worker. Man, uh, I've had coach after coach tell me that that solves so many problems, especially when it's a guy like Brock Bowers or it's your quarterback. Um, it can really, really help you because, yeah, Brock Bowers, I think he's going to be a top five pick in the draft. He's a matchup nightmare for uh, safeties. Uh, you almost seem to put a corner on him, but then he's so big he can he can outmuscle the corners uh, and, and throw them around. But... Um, He's special. He's a special player, and Georgia is is loaded. You know, the biggest question is is that quarterback, but uh, you know they talent have plenty. Is there, they they have plenty of talent. Yeah, yeah, they have plenty of talent. That that room is is going to be just fine, and and their schedule is a joke. And so I, I really think you can pencil them in to the SEC championship. And even if they lost the SEC championship after running through the regular season undefeated they'll still make it into the playoffs so i think georgia out of every team in the country has the clearest path to the 14 playoff uh, more than anyone 
But, uh, yeah, when, when Kirby was asked about Nick Saban, he really dismissed it. He does not like talking about Nick Saban because he's asked about Nick Saban all the time. And Kirby basically said, I don't even remember 2011, 2012. I'm here to talk about what's in front of us, not what's behind us. And I certainly can understand that. As a, as a coach, you always want to be looking forward. Uh, so, But, you know, I'm sure there are some lessons that if you go back and examine that 2013 team at Alabama, why didn't they three-peat? Uh, I'm, I'm certain that Nick Saban, you know, at the time did an autopsy of what went wrong, and, and Kirby was there, and I'm sure he did an autopsy, too, of the season. So, But, yeah, we've got a lot to get into, a lot to get into today, Matt. We do, and in fact, we'll go live to Nashville with ABC 3340's Jeff Spiegel here just following this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, hazy afternoon, mostly sunny with a high of 96 degrees. Tonight fair, the low at 76. Tomorrow and Thursday, partially sunny both days, only a small chance of any one spot getting a shower or storm. Highs between 96 and 99. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 91 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports. Justin Jones is running the show as usual and doing a spectacular job. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and joined by our SEC media contact. That is ABC 3340's sports director, Jeff Spiegel. Jeff, what'd they serve for lunch today? Oh, wow. Glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Tacos. Tacos. Taco Tuesday. Love it. Yeah. I was listening... I was listening to another show somewhere. Are they like having a concert tonight, or did they have that last night? And is that for the media? No, that is tonight, and the media gets uh, free tickets to it. Uh, the band is called Midland, which uh, you know. Listen, okay, here's how out of touch I am with uh, with current music and uh, country music. A few years ago, uh, my son and I. Uh, went to an Atlanta Braves game and there was this guy doing a concert after the game and so I asked uh, my son I said who is this Chris Stapleton guy (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah I probably would have said the same thing he goes dad you don't know who Chris Stapleton is I go I go no and so but wow what a what a 
great performer he is. And so, you know how, I, how long your son will remember that? <laughs> he'll be giving you oh, yeah. about that until you've got grandchildren. <laughs> he loved it. He absolutely loved it. Uh, Jeff, uh, your reaction to uh, Georgia and uh, Kirby Smart's remarks up at the up at the stage, and and just um, yeah, just your your thoughts on on Kirby and what he had to say. Well, sure. Well, they're staying on message. You know, uh, listen. Let's throw out the old cliches. You know, blocking out the outside noise. But at the same time, you know. I asked Kirby just a few minutes ago, I said, you know, there's a perception out there that while you've done a lot of great things on the football field, off the field, you know, there's a lack of accountability and discipline. You know, what would you say to, you know, to change that perception? And his answer was talk to the players, talk to our players, you know, who have, uh, we've got, you know, good retention here. And I'm confident, you know, that our, you know, our culture is good. And then, um, you know, the offensive lineman, Cedric, you know, said, you know, owned up to, you know, mistakes that have been made and that, you know, the, the thing you got to do is just, you know, move on uh, from those mistakes. But the reputation has taken a huge hit, you know, and the, I've never seen a program get more negative press after winning back-to-back national championships. And I really think that Georgia's kind of taken the, you know, the bunker mentality, you know, it's us against the world, you know, and, and yeah, we have made, we've had made mistakes who hasn't, you know, but, uh, but it, it's really going to be interesting to see like how they navigate this because, you know, people are not going to stop talking about it and uh, the football games will be played. But it'll always be kind of a specter, a cloud kind of hanging over their head uh, through the season. But, you know, they openly addressed it today, and, and they're ready to move on. Jeff, if I could follow up really quick. It's a, I'm glad you asked that question. I wish that question had been the very first question asked in the, uh, uh, in the, in the group talk. But um, why do you think Georgia's having these problems? Is it because of the sense of entitlement slash invincibility these young kids feel after winning back-to-back national titles because this isn't necessarily the first time we've seen a team win a national championship and then have a a few legal issues in the months following yeah well it goes totally against you know what he was taught right i mean he learned under nick saban and you know he learned about you know the accountability and the discipline and how you know that's got to continue in a program for it to sustain and kirby always talks about you know, sustaining a program and not being complacent and, and, and all of that. And, and this is just, you know, signs that, you know, that, um, there are, that the people who made these mistakes, you know, signs that, you know, they're above the law and, you know, the, the authority, you know, not a lack of respect for authority. And so that's something that, you know, he has said, you know, they're going to check and they're, they're going to do a better job on and, uh, and, you know, if he's sincere about that, then the program, you know, can be sustained and can keep winning. Uh, but if he doesn't, I'm, I'm not sure how much longer he can sustain. 
On the field, did I and I listened to bits and pieces of it. You're kind of moving around, so I'm not going to say I, I heard all 10, 11 minutes of, of what Kirby Smart said, but did he talk about his quarterbacks and uh, who might be the leader in the clubhouse as they head into the fall? Is Carson Beck the guy? I think Carson Beck is the guy. Uh, Brock Bowers, you know, as much said that, you know, when he was in the room with us, you know, he and uh, uh, Brock and Carson are big locker room buddies. And uh, he talked about just the great progress that Carson has made. So it sounds like, you know, the team is on board, you know, with, uh, you know, with Carson. And, you know, look, the, the coaches, you know, the players talk more about that than the coaches do. But uh, I wouldn't say Brock Bowers let the cat out of the bag. But I also think that, um, you know, it's pretty much 95% assurity that that guy's going to be under center you know, when the season starts. And certainly he looked great in A-Day or in G-Day. But we've seen guys look good in spring games before. And uh, But, but he, you know, he looks like the real deal. And certainly that, that's going to be a key factor, you know, moving forward, the quarterback play, if Georgia's going to, you know, pull off the unprecedented 3 P. What was your impression of Brock Bowers? Matt and I were just talking about him and how we both think he's the best player in the SEC. Uh, just in, in speaking with him, what, what, what did you just get from, I don't know, his body language, his confidence? Uh, Kirby was joking that, that Brock is so shy that he's out of his comfort zone, and he was hoping that Brock would gr- grow from this experience today. Just uh, your, your thoughts on Brock Bowers. I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, in the TV business, you know, look, we live in the realm, and Matt knows this, we live in the realm of 15 to 20 second sound bites. What frustrates you as a reporter is when you get like the eight and the nine second sound bites that really don't have that much meat to them. And Brock, you know, Brock didn't have a lot of those, but you could tell this was not his deal. You know, you could tell that um, he knows the responsibility because he's one of the best players in the country. I mean, personally, I think he should be on the Heisman watch list. We I think just he's one of the top five that. players in college football. I really do. And but but he's but he's uncomfortable talking about himself. And then a lot of football players I've come across are. But um, but he's one of those guys who uh, I got the feeling that hey, I'm doing this for the team. But when I can get out of this suit, I can't wait to get out of this suit. You know, that's the feeling I got from him today. Uh, read a quote uh, from him about three-peating, and he dismissed uh, the three, the two, and the one. I, I guess what he said is he wants to avoid complacency. Did he have anything else to say about winning an unprecedented for the modern era three in a row? Well, I mean, you know, and all the Georgia guys were pretty pretty much to it. He said this, is that, you know, you, you start over. I mean, you, you, you know, wearing the ring is great. You know, put, put that on the mantle. And, uh, and then get going after the next one. And that's been the key to this whole drill. You know, th- their consistency and success is the fact, uh, you know, they, they put the last year behind them. I mean, they, they move on. And so um, that, that was kind of my premise when, when I want to ask Kirby that question is that they've done so many things right on the field, so many things. And uh, they've avoided that complacency and they've, um, I personally, I think they're going to miss Stetson Bennett more than anybody is letting on because that guy was just so solid at quarterback for them. If Carson Beck can come half to duplicating the success that Bennett had, 
who he, who I still don't think got enough credit for, then I think Georgia's going to be okay. Also, the question was brought up in our room, what do you think about people saying your schedule is, is a cakewalk? Okay, and Kirby said, well, you know, come on out and play it. And my response to that is, there are a ton of teams who would love to have that schedule. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is going to be a cakewalk for them to get to the to the playoff, and then we'll see what happens when they get to the Final Four. Jeff, this is a hard question to answer. I don't think I, I, I don't have the answer, but what specifically do you think that Georgia has been doing better than Alabama to pass Alabama in terms of being the team to beat in the SEC? Uh, that's a really good question. I think um, I think just what we touched on, I think the uh, the fact that, you know, and, and Kirby drives this home like every year, you know, we're the, you know, we're the hunter, you know, not the hunted. And, um, oh, it's, it, listen, that's a great soundbite, but it's only a soundbite if you can't get your players to buy into it. And he's gotten his players to buy into it. And the hunger is still there. You can see it in every football game they play. I mean, I can't think of many games in this stretch, you know, where they've just rolled the ball out there and mailed it in. I mean, they've had some close games, but it's because the other teams have raised their level of play, not because Georgia's level of play has gone down. That's kind of what happens when you are the hunted, is that you come into a stadium and everybody wants to beat you. You know, and so other teams have kind of raised their level of play when they play them. But they, but Kirby has gotten the point across to them that, man, if you want to win, you want to win every week. You got to be hungrier than the other team is. And I think he's been able to uh, to accomplish that and get his players to accomplish that. Between now and tomorrow's show, Auburn and Alabama will both have gone to the podium. What do you think? is going to be the main question asked of Freeze and of Nick Saban? Uh, well, I think with Nick, I think it's uh, I think it's just, you know, the harsh reality that Georgia has passed them. I don't know if anyone's going to lay that on the line in terms of a question and how they frame it uh, or whether they'll frame it in terms of, you know, do you have a sense of urgency to kind of get back and take this thing back although i heard him mention in a radio interview several months ago that um that you know there there is a sense of urgency in the program that you know the the guys across the state line have kind of taken this thing over and we want to take it back and i remember him saying in those words that you know we want to take it back so that that's going to be a big message uh when you freeze when we talk to you freeze in a few minutes uh, it's just going to be about, you know, I want to get his thoughts on the power of the portal. You know, last year, LSU transformed their program in one season because they brought in some great transfers, most notably Jaden Daniels. And um, he's brought in some good players. One guy that I'm really excited about hearing from is linebacker Elijah McAllister. This is a two-time team captain at Vanderbilt who got his bachelor's, his master's at Bandy, and he's working on his doctorate at Auburn. This is a smart, smart football player who's also really, 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 really good. Who's going to make a lot of plays on that defensive line. So looking forward to seeing him today and seeing him on the football field this fall. 
Speaking of Auburn, what do you think the ceiling is for the Auburn Tigers in terms of how many wins? You know, if you if you talk to Auburn fans, and I do, uh, all of us do, um, uh, they think, hey, eight, nine wins is possible if uh, we get some breaks. Uh, I'm thinking this is more of a, a I think six, six wins would be considered a really good season. Um, but there's so many unknowns because the, the, uh, Hugh Freeze is conducting this experiment right before our eyes of, of uh, basically just making remaking his team it, kind of the same way that Deion Sanders is out of Colorado, though not to that extent. But again, what, what do you think uh, is uh, the ideal scenario for Auburn this year? Well, we don't know who the quarterback is, although I, I have a feeling it's going to be Robbie Ashford. Um, really? Because, yeah, I really do. I, I, I'm hearing that Peyton Thorne is, you know, maybe not, maybe not the guy to 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 lead the program, you know, right now. And that um, I feel so. I, I feel like the possibility it, it's going to be Ashford. I think is going to be the starting quarterback. That's my gut feeling. And I think Hugh is going to do a really good job with him. I think uh, Robbie's going to benefit from you know Hugh's experience of coaching up quarterbacks. Um, I also think that, um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of excitement about this program. They've sold out season tickets, 63,500 tickets. And you look at the schedule, and I do see eight wins, but I also see five wins. I mean, it just, it just the first year is always so crazy because incredibly silly things can happen during a coach's first year. They're going to beat somebody, you know, they're not supposed to beat. They're probably going to lose one of those games that Auburn fans are going to go, what? How do we lose that game? So I think it's, it's going to be a year like that. But I think if the bounces do go their way, I think they can win eight games. Really appreciate your time. Uh, go get another taco. It's Taco Tuesday with Chris Stapleton today in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, how's the car holding up? You going to get the news car back tomorrow, today? Hey, li- hey! Listen, I was I was driving that thing to Nashville, and that sucker is beautiful. It's a Rav four by four. Okay, and so I looked down at the speedometer, and I was going ninety two, and I go, I haven't gone ninety two miles an hour in a car since I drove my mom's Pontiac Catalina when I was sixteen years old. And uh, are you going and through Athens, Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. But it's uh, but it's been good to have a car that's reliable and dependable. Sometimes my Ford Explorer is not that dependable. Okay, always, I, rem- I, always remember the virtue of cruise control. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I stepped on you. What kind of car was it you drove for your mother? A Pontiac? What? A nineteen sixty-eight sixty-eight Pontiac Catalina, and I we drove had it the back. Same I worked, car. <laughs> I worked at Pizza. I worked at Pizza Hut in Coleman when I was a kid. And I was coming back on I-65, and I said, let's see how fast this thing can go. So I got it up to like 90, 95 you know, miles an hour, and uh, that's the last time I've driven a car that fast. Well, I sure hope my boss isn't listening to this. <laughs> well, the motors in those Pontiacs <laughs> went from tire to tire. They were absolutely huge. They could handle 90 right. miles. All right, we've kept you too long. Thank you so much. We're going to talk to Johnny tomorrow. Absolutely. Johnny Condom will be here. I'll let him know that you guys are going to be giving him a buzz. All right. You've done a fantastic job, and we yeah, expected thanks, just that. Thank you, Jess Beagle. Hey, thanks. Appreciate y'all. All right. You too.
Manny does a good job for us. And Johnny Will, tomorrow he is his uh, sidekick, if you will, his right arm there at ABC 3340. Um, when we get back, we'll talk more about SEC Media Days, and we're going to have to dip into and look at the British Open, too. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790 7229 Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Community. Those two items are coming up next on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, hazy afternoon, mostly sunny with a high at 96 degrees. Tonight, fair, the low at 76. Tomorrow and Thursday, partially sunny both days, only a small chance of any one spot getting a shower or storm. Highs between 96 and 99. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 91 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, it's Matt Coulter and Lars Anderson bringing the show along with Justin on this uh, steamy Tuesday afternoon where SEC Media Days continue. Hugh Freeze and some of the Auburn Tigers will be taking the podium here very, very shortly and the Mississippi State will cap the day off. Of course, tomorrow morning you've got Nick Saban and the University of Alabama. Now, Georgia... Uh, this morning, you heard from uh, Brock and Kirby and several other players, but we're going to go through the schedule, Lars, and um, you just, let's just see how easy this actually is. Well, they okay, let me, yeah, let me just say something really quick. Um, sure. Georgia did have Oklahoma on the schedule for this year, and they were going to play at Oklahoma. Now, given the state of how things are in Norman, uh, I think Georgia would have taken care of them. But nonetheless, it would have made this schedule a little bit better looking. But the SEC decided that they didn't want Oklahoma playing a one-off uh, before against Georgia before they came into the league, so the game had to be scrapped. So th- there is that sort of caveat that Georgia, they, they could not control that. That is true, and a point well made. 
They open the season. In fact, they, their first four games are at home. Now, th- that's just pretty good in anybody's book. But the opponents, UT Martin. Okay. Was that the team they ended up having to – they were forced to pick up to make up for Oklahoma? I'm not uh, sure. One of these maybe, teams. Maybe it could have been Ball State. Could have I'm been. Sure. Ball State is the next week uh, at Sanford Stadium. Uh, then they got South Carolina. I think that's a test. Uh, it is in Athens. But um, I think with Spencer Rattler and the progress that Shane Beamer has shown very quickly, I might add, uh, that, that'll be a little tougher than most think. Or, I don't know, SEC fans will know that'll be a little bit tougher than uh, the rest of the nation. Yeah, uh, and I, 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 you know how we both feel very strongly about Shane Beamer. We, we, we really like the guy, and he's been a good friend of the show. We've had him on several times. I've, I've gotten to know him personally over the years. Just a wonderful young and upping, young up-and-coming coach. And that really would be... Man, that would be his signature win if uh, they could pull off the upset there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so their three non-conference games are against UT Martin, Ball State, and UAB. And then their home schedule in the SEC features the usual divisional opponents of South Carolina, as we just mentioned, Kentucky and Missouri, right? Those should be Kentucky and Missouri that should handle easily. South Carolina could put up a fight because this could be Spencer Rattler's year. I really think he's got a chance to be the SEC player of the year. Um, and then they'll also host Ole Miss as their Western uh, opponent and then play the neutral site game against Florida, um, which, you know, that that could be a, a, a fight. Uh, I don't necessarily think it will be. But so in in total, half of their opponents finished with a losing record last year. And of the dozen teams that they play this fall, the overall record was 80 and 70. That's a a 533 winning percentage. So uh, it's it's really it it is a a schedule that is tailor made to get to the SEC title game. I mean, do you think UAB could could rise up and give them a fight? We I thought that last year, and then UAB they ended up losing about 100 yeah. to nothing. Yeah. Um, all due respect to the Blazers, and you know I'm, I'm very close with that program and have been since the Gene Bartow era, but the answer is no, uh, I, I don't think. Uh, boy, what a signature win that would be. After the UAB game, though, they do have to travel to Auburn. And later this season, they have to travel to Tennessee. And if Joe Milton is all expected, uh, that game at Tennessee might be a little bit of a struggle. It's very, very end of November before they play Georgia Tech. So, you know, there are some potential stumbling blocks. But uh, let's put big quotes around potential because I, I really don't see anybody on this schedule that they don't take by double digits do you i think their their biggest test is going to be at knoxville right a very hostile tough place to win as alabama learned last year and uh against tennessee uh and that's the second to last game i believe on their schedule it is um and uh but by then you're gonna have a, a seasoned quarterback in carson beck you can't really consider him a first year starter by that point in the in the season as long as he stays healthy um and just you know georgia they have just been they've been recruiting so well they've been developing their players 
Um, they again, they have the continuity and the coaching staff. And and Kirby talked about this too, of the COVID recruiting class. And these are guys that couldn't even make official visits. Uh, they had twenty in that class. Seventeen of those players are still on the roster. They're amazing. still. It is amazing. Just the other day, remember, we went over Alabama's class of, uh, what was it, of two years ago, I think, or three years ago, where pretty much half the guys are gone. And in every year, I mean, that's that's about right. It, you're right around 60%, I would say, that of, of guys that uh, end up making it through, uh, making it and sticking out with the school that they start with. And the fact that their COVID class, 17 of the 20 are still there, really speaks to the culture that Kirby has created. And I think you can point to that and say, you know, maybe the problems with speeding aren't as uh, significant, right? It, it, it may not be reflective of a larger issue within the program. If, does it, did you understand what I'm saying, Matt? Like, yeah, I think that they could be isolated instances, but then again, I mean, you've had four since the tragedy, and three would make a pattern. Four makes a trend, and so yeah, they they still have issues to resolve there. But um, yeah, they they have it going. It's a it's a program that is just hitting on all cylinders right now, and and you just you hear that from. NFL coaches, right? That go around and visit other visit programs all around the country, you know, just trying to see what they're doing. If there's anything that they could take from different programs and apply to uh, the NFL to their team and their playbook or how they do practices or anything. And uh, I've talked to a couple of these guys, and they're just like George is on a different level. George is just on a different level. And, um, but we'll see. I mean, this is exactly where Nick Saban is at his most comfortable, I think, is uh, being overlooked and, and uh, uh, sort of, you know, not, not getting the proper respect. I mean, on ESPN the other day, I think, I don't, I think, I think it was on First Take or some, some program, some mindless program. They actually had the topic of, is Nick Saban's legacy on the line this season? I mean, that is just the most ridiculous topic in the world. And they spent a good seven minutes debating that nonsense. And I just was just like, wow. (laughs) I about had it with ESPN. I watched their live programming, but that's about it. You're right. Some of their uh, 30 and hour, 30 minute and hour long shows are just to miss us, in my opinion. And and Matt, they are just force feeding the NBA down our throats. I mean, they are obviously so in bed with the NBA that they lead every show with the NBA, even though nothing is going on in the NBA other than Summer League. And they never report on NASCAR. I mean, never make the Daytona 500. By the way, really, really interesting. Another observation concerning Georgia, which we've talked about. I'm going to bring it up again, but it absolutely boggles my mind. It is uh, a real positive. It's it's shed some really good light on Kirby Smart. we got to hit the top of the hour. Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Summer. 
securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. A Town Square Media Station. What may it be? You can forget about it. Touchdown, Alabama. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey, welcome back to the program. Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson. Justin's at the helm. And in just a little while, we'll be joined by Doug Segrist, a longtime sports writer in the state of Alabama. Uh, in fact, he's uh, he joins... Our previous guest, Jeff Spiegel, every Sunday night for The Zone, does a heck of a job there. Um, had a long-time relationship. I'm really, really fond of Doug. So we'll talk to him. In the meantime, and I was desperately seeking out, I'm just not as good at this as you are, Lars. So I'll bring it up, and then you can double-check me. But weren't we talking, like, back um, sometime in the last six, eight months that while Georgia has made really good use of the transfer portal, nobody at Georgia enters the transfer portal. Yeah. Did they not um, go a year without losing a single player in the portal? Does that uh, sound somewhat true? Uh, that I don't know. It was know. something like that, but I just remember it blowing my mind. But um, I, did see, big... I, I did see just real quick on the transfer portal that Northwestern's top recruit just entered the transfer portal today. So the, the hemorrhaging from the firing and the fallout from uh, from the firing of, of Pat Fitzgerald continues. And it's, it is just going to be a night. I mean, that was a program wrecker uh, up at Northwestern. So, but uh, yeah, Georgia, they have done uh, as well as anyone in, in keeping all of their, their players um, uh, and and just retaining, you know, the vast majority of the guys uh, that they recruit. And again, it's that, that consistency of, of keeping the players, developing the players and keeping the coaches and just the, the familiarity that the coaches have with one another. It just makes things go so much smoother where you know the expectations, you know, again what the rhythms of every day uh, are like and nothing really comes as a surprise and you have a more unified message when you know each other so well i mean that's why you see uh guys in in the nfl when they become a head coach they usually bring their own people with them and they tend to be people that they have known for years and years and years and have uh, relationships with that extend beyond the football field. And, and that's what they have at Georgia right now. And just everything is just clicking and, and rolling in, in the right direction for this entire program. 
On to the story concerning Jordan Rogers, who works for the SEC Network. And personally, I think he does a really good job. But he was asked, uh, and I'll give proper courtesy here, um, on Jock's WJOX's morning show with Cole Kublik, Greg McElroy, um, who he thought the quarterback was going to be at the University of Alabama. And this just goes to show you that none of us really know. And this is not a slam against Jordan. If it is, it's a slam against me too, because I will openly admit I don't know. And we take calls pro this guy, not this guy. But yesterday, Jordan Rogers said that quarterback competition will come down to two guys. And this is a quote. I think it's a two-man race between Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner. Now, most people tend to put Milrow in there because of his playing experience, but then people also put uh, Buckner in there because of the relationship with the offense and Tommy Rees and so forth. And then a lot of people just like the pure passer, although Ty has shown an ability to, uh, to escape situations out of the pocket too. But do you agree with me that Jordan Rodgers... <laughs> Well, he has an opinion, and he's entitled to it. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Well, unless he has a relationship with Tommy Reese, which is possible. Um, that's really interesting. I did not see that comment, and I have not heard anybody say that. And Jordan Rogers is a very connected guy, uh, not just because of his brother, uh, because of his role at the SEC Network, and and I think he is widely respected. Uh, he I, he's a he's a terrific analyst, a terrific analyst, and um, that's really interesting. I mean, I don't know if Mill Rose skill set necessarily fits what Tommy Reese wants to do with the offense, but he does. He did play last year for a reason. It was because he was the guy that Nick Saban trusted the most once Bryce Young went down. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's nobody knows. Nobody knows. And I don't even think Nick Saban knows. Like, it, it just, it, it has to play out. Um, I was interested to hear from Jeff Spiegel that he didn't think that the transfer from uh, Michigan State, uh, the Michigan State quarterback, was going to be the starter at Auburn, uh, Clayton. Uh, rather, he thinks it's he's hearing it's Robbie Ashford. And I just, uh, Robbie Ashford has all the talent in the world, but he's still just a little raw when it comes to uh, pushing the ball down the field with accuracy. But man, he, he is a he's a tremendous athlete. He does have a a little bit of a, a little bit of Cam Newton in him. But um, were you surprised by that, Matt? By Jordan Rogers' comments? No, well, no. I, I was just shifting over to Jeff Spiegel's comments oh. about about how he believes Robbie Ashford is going to be the starter at Auburn. Yeah, I was surprised by that very much. Um, but here's the here's the factor. Uh, you've got to consider freeze. And uh, my, Malik Willis is a perfect example. And he transferred from Auburn to Liberty. And uh, I think he should be starting the NFL. He's that good, and he is certainly a quality guy. We've all seen that. But, yeah, I was a little surprised by that because I thought the transfer would probably come in and start. Um, Peyton Thorne. I'm Peyton sorry, not Thorne, Clayton. Yeah. His name, yeah, Peyton Thorne. Um, 
redshirt senior. Uh, he had a lot of success at Michigan State, threw for nearly 6,500 yards, 49 touchdowns. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. A, it's a two-man race between him and Robbie Ashford. And you got to remember, Ashford started, Ashford is from Hoover, uh, transferred or went to Oregon, then transferred to Auburn. And last year had uh, threw for 1,600 yards, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. Um, I guess it just it, it, it just depends on, yeah. I mean, it's, is Hugh Freeze going to run the offense that he did at Liberty? Because that style of play is probably more conducive for Ashford because, um, because uh, Thorne is more of a traditional you know, drop back passer. Um, and he doesn't have a big, a huge arm, but he, he uh, was really one of the most coveted, if not the most coveted quarterback in the transfer portal market. And you know that he is not coming for his last year of college football to sit on the bench. And I, I'm sure that Hugh Freeze and the other coaches, they, are just saying like every every coach is that hey you're gonna have every opportunity to win but it's an open competition um but i i have not heard what what jeff told us that that um from what his sources are telling him is that peyton thorne is uh, is you know struggling a little bit uh to to pick up the offense and just it hasn't been as, as clean a fit as we all thought he would be but we're going to find out a lot more of that uh, here this afternoon uh, when uh, Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers uh, take their turn up in uh, Nashville. They're probably meeting with media right now. I don't know if it's one or two. I looked it up earlier this morning. Yeah. But, um, I- I'm not, not really I- sure, but... Um, I, I think that's an interesting observation from Spiegel and uh, something that we're going to run with, and I'll bet that's going to be asked first or second. What was the first question you would ask Hugh Freeze today, oh, noted author Lars Anderson? <laughs> um, what did he learn from his fall from grace at Ole Miss, and how has he grown as a human being that's what i would ask him and uh you know how he'll handle that i think he'll give a deep dive very well yeah yeah i, I, I mean i i pull I, back I, the layer of onions there for, for i've him. spent i've spent a good amount of time with you and i i gotta confess i really like him he's uh he's a charming guy and I know that you ended up having some big issues at, at Ole Miss, but um, I, you know, the the first story I wrote for Bleacher Report was on Hugh Freeze, and I think the title of it was uh, like "Good Guys Finish First or something, and uh, it was just all about sort of his journey to become the head coach at at Ole Miss. And he just, he opened up to me about everything in his life and he talked to his wife and just talked to everybody there. And the editors at Bleach Report liked it so much they hired me. So <laughs> kind of, I'm kind of in debt to Hugh Freeze a little bit, but um, 
yeah, I think uh, I think he'll handle himself very, very well. And I think he is immensely grateful for this second chance. And, uh, I, you know, I just I would just want to know, like, what is different about Hugh Freeze from when he left the conference to now uh, coming back and getting this second chance? And has it impacted, you know, how he uh, recruits, how he uh you know, how he coaches, how he treats his players, you know, you could really do a a deep dive into that and it would be pretty fascinating. And then also what, what did he learn about himself at Liberty? You know, when he was kind of on, you know, in, in, in football, Siberia, uh, relatively speaking and, uh, for a few years and, and, uh, did he ever think that he would get another chance? Um, and how did the interview process go? What did what did Auburn want to know about Hugh Freeze before uh, they pulled the trigger and offered him a contract? Um, so, yeah, I, there's a lot to Hugh Freeze uh, that is worthy of deep exploration, I think. And he's taking questions as we speak. And um, as we do that, we'll go to break. And Doug Segris, longtime sports writer, uh, will join us. Here's another thing about Hugh Freeze. I'm not sure everybody knows this, but I find it interesting, and you will too, since you covered it as well. Freeze is a huge NASCAR guy. Yeah. So I'm at Talladega, and we had a conversation about that and not football. Always thought that was pretty interesting. Hey, you're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Dead bad. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, hazy afternoon, mostly sunny with a high at 96 degrees. Tonight fair, the low at 76. Tomorrow and Thursday, partially sunny both days. Only a small chance of any one spot getting a shower or storm. Highs between 96 and 99. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 94 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson efforting to get in touch with Doug Segrist. I think I hit a wrong digit here and gave Justin some incorrect information concerning his phone number, but we will work on that. Then again, uh, he might be in there listening to you freeze. That's where I would be, but uh, he has graciously offered his time with us, and uh, we'll see if we can get to that uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, and in fact, here he is. Doug, it's Matt Lars Anderson. How are you, man? Hey, Matt. Hey, Lars. I'm great. How are y'all doing? Fantastic. Terrific. Uh, how are, you're in Nashville, right? I'm in Nashville. It's, it's homecoming for me. Uh, you know, spent a lot of time here with the Nashville banner, and there is nothing I recognize about this anymore. And, and that's just being here two years ago as well. It's just, it is just blown up. Uh, Doug, what uh, your overall impression of, of Georgia this morning, before we get into Auburn, um, just uh, of, of Kirby Smart, don't know if you got a chance to talk to some players, just uh, the general vibe you picked up from the Georgia Bulldogs. Let me ask you this. How can you win two national titles? You're about to do what only Bernie Behrman has done before. And you still come out with this mentality that it's us against the world. Well, Kirby's done it. Um, yeah. You know, they, they think everybody's out to get them. Nobody respects them. Um, you know, and, and to his credit, Kirby filibustered. He said he's only going to filibuster for 10 minutes. He went 12 minutes. And, you know, just told us a lot of glowing things about this team. I, what I found interesting, though, is they signed 20 freshmen in the COVID year. Remember, they couldn't have on-campus visits. They couldn't go out and recruit them. This was all virtual. And 17 of those players, including Brock Bowers. And I think that's kind of a testament to the culture he's built is that they have stuck together in this era of transfer portal and everything else. But they, they're they on a mission. And, you know, the mission is to win three Doug, uh, Lars talked about it first hour, and then we talked about it with a couple of other people, too. When he addressed the speeding issue, the tragedy followed by four speeding tickets, two of which were super speeding, um, Lars was not really satisfied with his answer. I'm not either. Are you? No, but I didn't expect it to come in this environment. I mean, you know, they've kind of gone after the AJCB. Um, you know, they're kind of in this mode at this time. Um, I, I think what the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has done is just old-fashioned investigative reporting like we used to see all the time, like we used to have at Sports Illustrated and Birmingham News and, and Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And um, I just don't think there's a whole lot he can say at, at this point that's going to convince me Otherwise, then, you know, again, somebody's picking on us is not as bad as it seems. Um, did I think he handled it okay? Yeah. But, um, again, there was no substance there. Uh, moving on to Auburn, uh, we were talking with uh, Jeff Spiegel earlier, and uh, Jeff really believes that Robbie Ashford is going to be the starting quarterback, which uh, kind of 
took me aback a little bit. I, I really thought it was going to be or is going to be uh, Peyton Thorne, the transfer from Michigan State. Are you hearing anything on the quarterback front at Auburn? I don't think you go out and sign a quarterback of that caliber if you don't give him every chance to win the job. What I'm hearing is don't count out Robbie Ashford yet, whether it's game one or it's game four, um, particularly as your schedule gets tougher. I, you know, I think he is the quarterback who I've used You know, the problem is he still makes a, a lot of bad decisions where he tries to things. I think that's why they went out and got Thorne because Thorne more of a it's a guy who makes just the the right decision and and has a little more experience as a starter. But I still think when I said one going to start here, and Ashford may be the starter back game four if things don't go well. But isn't that? Hugh Freeze's forte, and y'all help me with the old man memory here, but it seems to me like didn't he didn't he get Chad Kelly in a transfer, and he went to beat Alabama, and then was it Bo Wallace? Uh, these are guys that aren't making any rosters after college football. But back to my original question here, Doug, as I circle, um, is the Hugh Freeze factor enough to make Ashford the starter? He's had great success with these type of quarterbacks before. And I, I think Robbie Ashford remains a diamond in the rough. Um, you know, I, I think that what people are missing out on, though, is that they have kind of restocked this offensive line with transfers. Now, you're talking about transfers at lower levels. Then, you know, it, it's not like they're pulling somebody in from Ohio State in Michigan, but there is a a belief on campus that this may be the best offensive line they've had in five years, which by SEC standards may only be average, but that's going to be such a an evolutionary change to what we've seen up front at Auburn the last three years that it may not matter who's quarterback because they they're not they're going to be throwing with a throwing out of a reasonable pocket instead of running for their lives, and I, I think that may have more impact than even the, the the quarterback will. Yeah, are you as interested? Like Kirby, it's good stuff. Like Kirby, are you as interested as I am in how this sort of uh, experiment that we're going to see play out in real time that Hugh Freeze has going on at Auburn with all of the transfers coming in. It, it mirrors a little bit of what Deion Sanders is doing at Colorado, though not to the degree uh, that, that Deion is at Colorado. But what what do you think will be the biggest challenges with you know reconfiguring such a dramatic uh, part of your roster and also so many new starters? I think the key, it starts with what culture do you have in play? Because we know the culture wasn't very good under Brian Harson. I'm not sure Harson is all the blame for that. But we saw this team that played much better and more cohesively after Harson left and Williams took over an interim basis. If they are able to maintain that and bring in players to supplement it and buy in, I think they've got a chance to to, to get better. 
quickly. But what is better is it six six seven five? I think that is the absolute ceiling. And and honestly, I think seven five may be too much for this team when you look at the record. But the difference between Auburn and Colorado is they don't have the numbers going out in Colorado. I mean, Colorado is replacing. It's, it's almost like a blood transfusion where, where <laughs> Auburn is kind of picking its spots and trying to just uh, help the roster out. But they're going to have to be, there are going to be a lot of new people. And I think it all just depends on the chemistry he can keep going in a very short time. You've, you've offered some insight into the quarterbacking situation at Auburn. But everybody has to be asked. This is actually a rule in Nashville. Everybody has to ask. Their, we have to ask your opinion on what's going to happen at the University of Alabama. So, Doug, uh, filibuster on, my friend. Okay, so can't, can't, I get to change every other day, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, I think that's, that's a rule. what we're that's doing. Part of this. I, I, don't yeah. think you, I don't think you bring Ryan... Buckner in unless you think he's going to be your guy. At the same time, he's basically got seven on sevens in three weeks to win the job. So I go back to my fallback with Jalen Milrow is the heir apparent. And that's how Nick Saban works things. But then I hear Ty Sanderson's put on 10 pounds and looks spectacular and is starting to get comfortable with the offense. So short answer, I, I think Buckner will get the start the first game and it's it's up in the air after that and are you expecting nick saban to say anything noteworthy uh tomorrow when uh he takes the podium i I think he's going after the nil and you know thank you kind of well thank you definitely addressed it and talked about how they need federal help on, on this issue and how they need state help on gambling, um, you know, because the abuse these athletes are getting. So I, I, I feel so box uh, day coming, definitely because I, because I think people are attentive to it, um, and you know his voice still resonates more than any other college football coach since Bryant. So I think that's where he's headed. I don't know if he. I, and and the other thing I expect him is to feel very positive about this team because that's you know what we heard throughout the summer that they're doing the little things that the chemistry starting to develop and i think he's going to be higher on this on his team than a lot of people realize is it uh i think we all agree that georgia will come out and end up in the sec championship game uh is lsu now challenging alabama yeah, I, I think LSU. I I still think Alabama will come out of Nashville as the pick in the West, but I think it'll be a lot closer. I mean, look what LSU did last year, and they've got a deeper roster this year. Plus, they, in my mind, they've got the best quarterback in the SEC. And oh, by the way, the head coach has, has done a few things, you know, in his career. So, I think it comes down to Alabama and LSU, um, and. I wouldn't be shocked if anyone, either one of them wins the SEC outright because, you know, Georgia, this is a lot of pressure. You know, nobody's ever gone this, this, um, how many games did Oklahoma win in the Bud Wilkinson heyday, but they didn't win the three straight national titles. Nobody's done it during BCS. Nobody's done it during college football playoffs. 
at some point does that pressure get to them? Because, good God, they may not play a team with the pulse until October, November. And, you know, I mean, 2010 Alabama, which may have been, you know, one of Nick Saban's three best teams overall, um, kind of implode. So I think short, short answer, I think LSU is definitely capable. I'm actually picking them just because if you look at Alabama's roster, this is the most questionable roster Nick Saban's had since 20, uh, 2007. Um, but Georgia has no challenges on paper, and that scares me. Because usually when it's that easy, something happens. Uh, Doug, I don't know if you were uh, in Nashville yesterday, but um, just your overall impression of Jaden Daniels, uh, LSU's quarterback. He seemed just really uh, calm and cool and articulate and just in charge. And it's almost like uh, appeared to be at least sort of in person, almost a different person from last year when he was just still trying to kind of figure out his way in year one at LSU. Uh, what are your expectations for Jaden Daniels, LSU's quarterback for uh, 2023? I think at the minimum he'll be uh, in New York for the Heisman Trophy presentation. I think he's that good. You know, I, I, what I saw yesterday, and I didn't spend a lot of time with him, but what I saw was guys who are confident and, and secure. And Brian Kelly has already brought up the possibility. They bet this one two punch and quarterback in the country because of Garrett Nussmeyer. But Jaden Daniels is the guy. I think he's the best quarterback. I think he's one of the three best in the country. And, you know, I think we all used to see this when he was out in the Pac-12, Pac-12, you know, at night. Um, the guy was just an incredible athlete who made incredible throws and, and often made incredible decisions. And I think he, the way he finished that season gives them something to build on. Uh, and again, I think that's another reason you have to consider LSU a legit favorite. Uh, Got to ask a Vandy question. I almost feel obligated, but uh, dynamite. Yeah, what did, uh, what, they started the show this morning. Give me a Cliff Notes version of what we can expect from Vandy in twenty three. Uh, better roster. They've improved recruiting. So, so look at what's happened under Clark Lee. They go zero and nine. Derek Mason's last year, two and ten. Lee's first year. Five and seven, much better last year. Um, pulled off a couple upsets. They got a lot going on there. There, there are infrastructure changes, there are facility changes. They're improving the stadium, which may be, you know, a malaprop. I don't know if you can actually improve that stadium, but there is a lot of enthusiasm there, and they they think this is the guy. And I think if you look at how competitive they were. Um, you know, maybe it it doesn't remind you of the James Franklin era, but at least the Bobby Johnson era. And you know, this is a program that's it's tracking back towards a, a postseason, and that's what Clark Lee says is their their goal this season. That's to get to the postseason. And uh, finally, since we're talking about Vandy, let's uh, go to. Uh Missouri, <laughs> anything, anything pop interesting when uh, the Missouri Tigers were uh, visiting Nashville yesterday? 
No, and that surprised me. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz usually says something. He gets himself in hot water. He filibustered. He's got the longest filibuster. I think it was 13 minutes. And by the time they got questions, it was just kind of generic. You know, who's going to be your left guard? You know, who's going to be your third string um, right tackle? Um, and he, he he purposely kind of stalled so he wouldn't say anything outrageous. Not, you know, but they do have the quarterback back. Um, I, I, I just think they are the enig- enigma wrapped in a riddle of, of the Southeastern Conference this year. I just Nobody really knows much about him. Didn't know what to expect um, other than Brady Cook's a decent quarterback. And if I could just follow up real quick. Um, I asked a couple of people this yesterday. Missouri uh, entered the SEC officially on July 1, 2012. Now that they have uh, been in the league for 10 years, 10 seasons, do you think Missouri fans are happy that they made the move to the SEC? I think they would always have preferred the Big Ten. Um, but I think they were <laughs> glad to get away from Texas and Texas' domination of the Big 12, only to have Texas follow them here. So I, I, I actually know a, a couple of Missouri, uh, Missouri grads in my neighborhood. You know, they, it, they're just not into sports. And you know this better than I do, Lars, but they're not into – there's not the rabidness we know throughout the SEC. I think it's just kind of up – bandwagon when things are good everybody's into it but no if they had their druthers they they would have i think they would have gone into the big 10 in a heartbeat i know one thing for sure they're not turning down the money (laughs) yeah but big 10's even got more than the sec so think about it yeah well we'll see how it works out Doug, uh, this past summer was uh, inducted into an exclusive class of sports writers, one of the top 50 legends. I don't think I've had the chance to personally congratulate you yeah, on that. Yeah, that's well-deserved, uh, really. Well-deserved. Uh, you know I've admired your work for years, and I'm so sorry it's been so long since we've done this, and it won't be long in the future, all right? This, any time, and I'm, I'm just talking – Beatles records on the air. Those were good times. <laughs> uh, we'll bring but you back two guys are the, <laughs> But you two guys are actual legends, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Uh, thank appreciate you, Doug. It. All right. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it very much. Take care. You bet. Uh, hey, Matt, when we, when we come back, I, I want to uh, dive into Greg Sankey's comments yesterday. I I finally had to go back. I finally had a chance to go back and read the transcript and uh, I have a couple of questions for you about that. All sounds great. We'll continue with the Tuesday edition of Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. 
Call Haley on her cell. Yes, her cell. 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. But I'm going to dig into it and, and try to understand what the key issues are. I know that the courts have ruled several times that uh, student athletes are not employees of the school, but uh, and, and so this may ultimately be challenged in court because the problem with this is uh, is you are going to be artificially suppressing the the amount of money a uh, a Bryce Young, for example, could make if you are going to put a cap on what everybody makes according to you know what position they play or how many snaps they are uh, in each year or, or whatever it would be uh that will be challenged in court and uh that would probably go eventually all the way to the supreme court and the supreme court has uh made it abundantly clear that they would overturn that and side with the players who wouldn't want to necessarily be employees of the school again because it would artificially uh, art, put an artificial cap on the amount of money they could make. So it's. And guess what else you have to keep close? Title IX. Yeah. You can't, you got to do it for all sports. And that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. absolutely. As, as absolutely. It yes. Um, I've always enjoyed the British sense of humor. Uh, it's a little different than we find here in the United States of America. And it has uh, never been more evident with the British Open because what they did is the equivalent of a Monty Python skit. It's coming up on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Summertime at 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, hazy afternoon, mostly sunny with a high at 96 degrees. Tonight, fair, the low at 76. Tomorrow and Thursday, partially sunny both days, only a small chance of any one spot getting a shower or storm. Highs between 96 and 99. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 95 degrees in Tuscaloosa. On Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson. Lars, uh, tomorrow morning at, let me make sure I can do my time zones correctly, 3.36 Birmingham time tomorrow morning. I'll be up. The, the threesome. Yeah, this is must-see TV. This, this is, is just must-see TV. Absolutely. Because the British Open, the open pairings, and I, I have to think that this was planned. Of I, course, I don't think this yes. Just randomly oh, comes yeah. out of no, the hat this is, here. This is uh, uh, this is this is great stuff. Patrick Cantlay, uh, who is affectionately known as Patrick Can't Play Fast, and we all remember his incident with Brooks Kapka uh, at the Masters. Uh, it, it it got a little ugly, and Kepka didn't hold his tongue following that round. And then the third member is another guy not necessarily known for his speedy play <laughs> is Hideki Matsuyama. And <laughs> that's just going to be, that's just, 
That's must-see TV, isn't it? Yeah. Kepka just ripped Cantlay after the Masters in, in April for his extremely slow play in the final round at Augusta National. And you and I were both watching it, and I was about pulling my hair out. Like I, I would rather listen to fingernails on the on the on the on the school chalkboard than watch Patrick Cantlay play golf because it just uh, it drives me nuts. And the thing is, Kepka loves to play fast, 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 fast. He's just the kind of dude who uh, he's just like, all right, it's a two thirty. The wind is at about six miles an hour to my left to right. Bam! Let's go and hit, hit the ball. And uh, and Cantlay especially is just uh, I don't know. It, it it's like he has to. Um, I don't know, uh, what would the equivalent be? Like, read a Dostoevsky novel before each shot, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, those books we had to read in college that are about three inches thick. Um, yeah, and, and the jokes on Twitter were awesome. Uh, one one guy said, uh, glacier movements and sloths on Ambien are faster than Cantalay and Matsuyama. Um, sloths on Ambien? Sloths on Ambien oh, are man, faster. Somebody's got a creative part of their brain. That's just... And, no, and, and, and you know that Kepka... I mean, everybody's advising him, hey, man, just work on some meditative breathing exercises because that's the thing about golf. If you start getting annoyed with your playing partners for playing slow, it ends up affecting your game. And any weekend duffer, which you and I are, knows that, hey, we, we hate playing with the guy who hits the ball into the woods on every single hole. And then he spends twenty minutes in the woods looking for that dang ball, and he'll well, come he out with like finds three others. He finds like three Pro V ones, and he's like, "Oh, but these are worth <laughs> fifteen dollars," you know, <laughs> like whatever. Like move on. I, I the slow pace of play in golf. It, it just it drives me absolutely batty, and uh, it does with Brooks Kepka too. And the thing is, Kepka's not with him just for one round. He's with him for the first two rounds. And so that uh, will be a really interesting uh, side story to follow at uh, Royal Liverpool tomorrow morning. Are you going to get up at 3.30 to start? Uh, are you going to watch it live? Gotta, don't you think you have to watch that threesome at least yeah. for a couple of holes? Oh, and I the mean, thing is, Kepka is uh, so big. I mean, Kepka, he wanted to fight, uh, gosh, who was it? Bryson DeChambeau. He wanted to fight, and DeChambeau is a big dude as well. That'd be a good fight, actually. Yeah. And and Kepka, I I know, I I, I really like Kepka, and uh, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, You know, I I think he probably could have been a professional athlete in a couple different sports, football, maybe baseball. But golf just comes so easy for him. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, this just gets to his head and he w- will knock himself out of contention after the first round. It's I, I, really... I, I don't know. I don't understand why. It really, uh, on a serious note, this is just not fair that they did this to Brooks Kepka. Uh, I, I would be. I would be pretty PO if I was him. 
uh, the links and a mental test. It reminds me very quickly as we run out here, many, many years ago, the you know, the first guys to tee off um, in the on Saturday and Sunday, the first guys um, are the last two, you know, in the tournament. But it was it was uh, John Daly and somebody else. They played 18 holes in an hour and 51 minutes. You Love here? that. Grip it and rip it. That's exactly <laughs> what they were doing. Smoking cigarettes and drinking beer, probably. Um, talk to you in 22 hours on Big Noon Sports. Be safe, everybody. My name is Michael Holt, and I'm an instructor.